Welcome to Right to Life and Michigan's Life Beat. I am your very upbeat host today, Chris Gast, and joining me is the very downbeat <laughs> Anna Plymert and the very recovering uh, Emily Kroll. You sound like an addict. <laughs> it's like, come on. <laughs> Happy Friday, ladies. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. I'm really happy, and you're waiting for Saturday. All right. Um, It happens to all of us. So uh, a couple things to talk about today. Four things are going to be a little different than usual. Um, We're going to talk about uh, Proposal 3 and a poll on the aftermath, if you will. We're going to talk about uh, Warren Hearn, who is the most infamous late-term abortionist um, in America right now. We're going to talk about uh, abortion pill hearing in court that did not go well for the other side, as they tend to do. Um, but then again, it always matters who's the judge. And then last, uh, but first, we're going to talk about Senate Bill 147 in Michigan. That is now a law signed into governor, uh, signed into law by Governor Whitmer. And this is adding abortion to Michigan's Civil Rights Act. So now violating the civil rights of a human being is officially blessed as a civil right in the state of Michigan, legally. Makes your brain hurt just a little bit. It does. Um, So they, it's called the Elliott Larson Civil Rights Act. They added uh, abortion to that. And so basically for anything when it comes to employment decisions, um, if a person is involved in abortion, you know, they have free reign. So that means, uh, and it has to be treated equally like all other things, like pregnancy. So for example, if you are a business and you offer pregnancy uh, benefits, but you don't offer benefits like, uh, you know, paid leave and all that for abortion and whatnot, then you are liable under this law that they could bring a case against you. Um, if you are, if, uh, if you're working at a pro-life organization, you're the president and you go out and have an abortion and talk about how great it is, um, the pro-life organization can't fire you. Because again, taking a human being is a civil right and it can't be discriminated against in any shape, manner, or form. Uh, no surprise. I mean, it's essentially just a codification, if you will, of Proposal 3. Uh, a lot of people probably voted for Proposal 3, not realizing that this would mean that um, you know businesses would be forced to hand out abortion benefits. Or if they don't want to do that and they have to provide equitable treatment, they could get rid of their pregnancy benefits. I seem to What rec- a great thing for women, right, ladies? I, I seem to recall people who, you know, I don't necessarily know their names, who kept on warning repeatedly about just this thing happening. I wonder who those people I are. Who that I wonder could what have they're been. doing today. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they're still warning people like, Maybe. hello. Please listen. Um, yeah, so it would have been great if we defeated this, but I mean, that's the case. And the real question now is how are they going to enforce it? We still, I get the sense that they. And we'll get into this uh, at the end of the podcast, but I still get the sense that they're very nervous about taking it all the way uh, as far as they could, especially as they try to take this language into other states and get it passed. It's almost like from their standpoint, they want to hit a critical mass 
before they really unveil how it works. And plus two, when you're doing, when you're working through court challenges, those don't happen like immediately. Those take a while to get filed and whatnot. Um, for most of our, well, we'll get into that later with proposal three stuff. But uh, so that's the law now in Michigan is uh, abortion, taking the life of human beings is a civil right. And uh, if you discriminate against that, look out legally. I think you can, going back to your point, you can tell that they are nervous because all of the media reported that um, it's only going to make it so you can't discriminate against women who've had abortions or are going to get an abortion and they are hired by the company. Um, but the thing about that is how is an employer going to know that their staff had an abortion? Isn't that their private health mm -hmm. information that right. an employer can't see because of HIPAA? That's correct. How would they know? Good Unless point. their insurance policy would now have to cover abortion, wouldn't it? But they're, but the media is denying that that's what this is doing. Well, the media is lying. So. And, they're, <laughs> and they are saying... They're saying that it's just discriminating, uh, that you can't discriminate against a woman. You can't fire her if you find out that she has an abortion. They're not saying it has a lot to do with insurance. This is the same media that in July <laughs> of 2022 ran a story with a quote from the spokesperson for Reproductive Freedom for All saying that people have the right to an abortion from birth. The same media who ran that story... <laughs> A couple months later, we're saying, oh, no, 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 this doesn't do anything about parental consent. Like, why would we trust these people, to be honest? You can't. Right. The first, I think... Was my point. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I think the first enforcement we're going to see would probably be uh, a church. A church or a religious hospital. staff members. Yeah. And then um, that staff person who's fired or let go... Uh, is going to bring a suit. That would probably be the first enforcement action. They're probably going to want to try to find the most sympathetic case they can portray in the media. It, a church or a hospital. We'll see. Or or like a private school. Right. We'll see. Um, moving on. So uh, the abortion pill case is it went from the district level to the appeals level, then up to the Supreme Court level, now back at the appeals level. And there was a hearing and uh, the abortion side had like the worst. So in, in, with the circuit court, there's several judges. They do three judge panels and there is a essentially a lottery to see which the three judges you pull for your panel. Um, unless they do, you know, there's other procedures and whatnot. But the abortion pill case, they drew the worst possible panel for them. Um, three solid judges, including Judge James Ho. And um, they had a hearing in the appeals court about whether or not the FDA's uh, regulative, uh, regulatory decisions regarding the abortion pill were legal. And it went pretty poorly for the FDA. Um, their basic legal strategy was the FDA is beyond question uh, so basically they're the high priests and to question them is to question God himself you can't do this you judges who do you think you are uh, the judges weren't having it not having it at all um, 
they tried to tell the judges, oh, well, there's, you know, there's almost no complications. And then there was some back and forth. Like, for example, one of the judges was like, well, you know, a woman having an ectopic pregnancy <clears throat> really shouldn't be taking the abortion pill. That's a high risk situation. How are you screening for the abortion pill under these new FDA regulations? And they're like, well, you know, if she hurts, then she can tell them. If she has shoulder pain, she can tell them. It's, it, it was a... No, no, wait. Now, yeah. Now, now, I'm told that we can't have any pro-life laws or regulations because some doctor somewhere might be told by a confused lawyer in a hospital system that we can't provide an ectopic pregnancy treatment. And we, so the entire, our entire agenda has to be thrown out to take care of women in ectopic pregnancies. Mm-hmm. But their entire agenda now is handing out abortion pills like candy and not screaming, uh, screening women for ectopic pregnancies, but we just have to ignore that. Well, didn't you know that they just really, the whole reason that they're doing this is because they care about women? <laughs> sure. <laughs> That's what they say, obviously. Liars. But it, I went through and I read uh, some of the transcripts from, from the arguments, and it really was... Um, the FDA lawyers were not doing well, is, is what we will say. Now, if I were to compare it to a little bit of listening to the oral arguments from the Dobbs decision, um, it went worse for the FDA, I think, in this case really? than that did. Simply That's a because low bar. It's a low Very bar. Low. Simply because their lawyers were so openly hostile to the, just, like, to the judges. They were just mean. And that's not necessarily something you want to do they if probably you're arguing thought it was case. rigged, so they were already going in there upset. I don't care if you think something is rigged. You don't walk into the Court of Appeals and basically say, you all are trash. You don't have the authority to do this. We are ordained from on high to give whatever drugs we want whenever we want to. It... it, it. It, it almost has a religious feel to it. it like, did. this is our holy ground and holy space, and how dare you blaspheme what we're doing. I mean, it really, it really is. And yeah. so they will, they, you know, the norm for any lawyer is respect for the judge, even when you disagree. Um, so, but they don't, they don't care about that. They only care about their ideal, everything that gets in the way. Goodbye. Including it, FDA regulations that are supposed to be followed for every other medication. It was almost comical. Or, or anybody. It was comical sure. in some ways, though, because the judges were asking questions of the FDA representation, and and they would say, "Well, women don't. It's only it's like less than one percent of women have to go to the hospital for this." And then, like the warnings on the back of the label itself labeled like 2.6 to 4.3%. And then if you're experiencing anything, report to the ER. So they're arguing that the doctors who are being represented by the Alliance Defending Freedom, Mm -hmm. they're saying that these doctors don't have standing because women don't actually have to go to the hospital, but their own warning labels on their own drugs say that women go to the hospital for this. And the doctors themselves, who are the plaintiffs in this case, have had to treat women who have had 
abortion pill serious complications Mm -hmm. um and the whole thing is just leaps of logic and rigmarole and if there was any honesty left in the world then the fda would be hanging their heads in shame because it, it was absolutely ridiculous and it should have never been approved in the first place pregnancy is not a life-threatening illness yeah, that was the uh, that was the other thing that th- their entire argument stems from characterizing pregnancy as illness. So a natural function of the human body necessary for the continuance of humanity on Earth is a disease that has to be controlled. Um, yeah, no. Uh, so uh, and they said, well, you know, and they tried to make the argument, well, there's other things that we, you know, that aren't really illness that we characterize as illness, like you know. You know, low blood pressure or whatever and uh, acne or whatever. I'm like, we don't. Those are actual like conditions that are not the ideal operating, you know, like those you. Okay. One other thing too, you talked about the FDA label. They were trying to say, well, the, um, you know, the, the, the complication rate for these uh, you know, abortion pills is less than 1%. The FDA says this. Well, if you look at the FDA label on the abortion pill, you say that the serious complication rate, as you just said, was above 2%. That's the number of women that go to the ER. Um, not to mention, you look at all the other conditions like severe bleeding, whatever. And uh, I mean, severe bleeding is 100%. Mm-hmm. And uh, other things like headache, nausea, whatever, uh, I think are in about the 60, 50 to 60% range. So. In other words, if you were women taking the abortion pill, you will have a serious symptom. Yes. And there's a one in 50 at the low end chance you're going to go to the emergency room. It's totally safe, Emily. Less than 1%. Totally safe. I don't know how we get that less than 1% number. We're just going to say it. And we're the FDA. Don't question us. Well. We never get anything wrong at the FDA. Never. There's never recalls. No. No, no. No, nothing. Yeah. Didn't you know that it was... That Tylenol's, or it's more safe than Tylenol? Absolutely, you yeah. know, uh, you know, Obviously. you know, you know, they do, they do screenings for women with ectopic pregnancies for Tylenol, you know? Yeah. 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 No. <sighs> clown world. It's, it, it's, it, it is. It's uh, frustrating. And to continue our tour through clown world, <laughs> our next stop is the once great magazine, The Atlantic, uh, very long-running publication in American history and one of their latest expeditions uh, into their glorious future was uh, interviewing Warren Hearn. Uh, now Leroy Carhart was probably the one you'd say is the most infamous late-term abortionist in America because he took partial birth abortion up to the Supreme Court defending it twice. Uh, he just passed away a couple weeks ago. So Warren Hearn fair to say the most infamous abortionist in the United States he probably gets the most media attention the name a lot of people are most likely to hear which is not a lot of people you don't really hear about you know this cast of characters and it's not a big cast no there's not a lot of pe- doctors willing in America to perform abortions um, late term abortions especially late term abortions that list is very small for a variety of reasons so Warren Hearn was profiled in The Atlantic, and it was a glowing profile, as media profiles of abortionists tend to be. Uh, they're basically you know, modern-day saints and heroes. Um, Warren Hearn, though, uh, not a very 
lovable character. I think he's 84, 85. Uh, he got his start in um, population control and eugenics because he thinks, I think in a book he's called Human Beings, a Cancer mm -hmm. on the Planet. So I guess if you believe that human beings are a cancer and you want to kill the cancer cells, abortionist is your most effective job opportunity because, you know, abortion is the number one cause of death in America, if it counted. Yeah. So he thinks he's a cancer? Probably not personally. Uh, he might. He might loathe himself. Uh, so there's a couple interesting things in that interview. What got to me is he, you know, he said he used to have bad dreams about late-term abortions. Uh, and it used Makes to kind of bother his conscience, but then he's just done so many now that it, it doesn't phase him anymore. So there's that. Um, huh. What else did he say? Oh, he said, preg he, he said pregnancy is a disease. Yes, he said pregnancy is a disease. He said a baby is a fetus until it's born alive. So I'm like, so you're admitting a fetus is a baby. Yeah. And I'm like, Okay. <laughs> Uh, he, he said he doesn't question patients at all for their late-term abortion nope. reasons. It's whatever they want. Uh, now, credit to him, he's willing to admit that I think he said at least half of his late-term abortions are just purely elective. Why would he care if he's getting a lot of money for it? Well, he doesn't. Right. Well, I mean, he has an incentive to try to put a better spin on it, but... I mean, let's give him credit. He's completely honest about what he does. You know, I feel like most of them are. You know, like, Car most, Carhartt was kind of honest. I'm pretty sure in an interview he like said, I know gross. it's a baby. Yeah. Yeah. They're honest. Right. But still, so when you get the younger ones, they tend to fall into the, we're going to use the euphemisms and the, and the political right. lingo to kind of soften the blow a little bit. But when you get these... The old Aging, school, old yeah, school, 70s and 80s abortionists. Like the late-term abortionists that are have done thousands of them. Tens of thousands. They they don't care. They have no filter. And what are they going to lose? If, if It's not like the abortion industry is going to excommunicate them. The abortion industry doesn't have enough people mm -hmm. willing to do the procedures. Right. They, they wouldn't even get rid of Kermit Gosnell? No, they wouldn't. Oh, Gosnell, yeah. Convicted yeah. 10 years ago. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, they just don't care. I think though the person that came out of the interview the worst was not Warren Hearn, but the Atlantic reporter who was a giving this guy glowing praise basically, but B, uh, started pontificating on how unborn children are nothing and, you know, their tissue and blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, Warren Hearn's like, no, it's a baby. I just kill the babies. Yeah. And, and then the reporter, you know, kind of like doing a little cleanup. Like, well, no, they're not really babies. They're kind of, you know. Yeah. Um, new new age versus old school. Mm -hmm. new, and, and there we have it again. Um, the media. <laughs> well done, guys. Well done. Take a bow, Atlantic. I'm sure the people who founded your magazine are would be, love to see what you're doing today. Uh, okay. So... Uh, we end with a little Proposal 3 stuff. Um, so the language that was here in Michigan has been taken from other states, you know, that passed it. They're taking the language they use here in Michigan, and they are taking it to other states to pass it. They're getting a little smarter about trying to clean it up to not leave themselves open to 
lines of attack, but the same basic language that anything goes and uh, anytime any pro-life law, and not just pro-life topics as well, but other things dealing with reproductive freedoms or whatnot, uh, anytime that stuff gets brought into court, it's an instant I win button for them. And very troubling. It These other states, you know, in Michigan, we were able to raise 21 million, which is more than double what most ballot proposal uh, sides are able to do total. And less than half of what our So basically, we, we, yeah, we, we raised basically four times what you normally would to fight a ballot proposal, but the other side raised um, 10 times. Yeah. And that's a problem. Uh, and so in a lot of other states, you know, some of those states, maybe the bigger ones are going to have more resources to draw on. But a lot of the smaller states, you know, like Nevada, I mean, maybe Nevada, there's some weird casino guy who's willing to fund the pro-life side. But uh, North Dakota, Montana, you know, states like that, they're going to have a tough time fighting the other side. Because what the other side is doing is they're not really relying on local people to do this. They have their their base of crazy billionaires who, like Warren Hearn, think humanity is a cancer uh, on the planet that needs to be addressed. Uh, and they are willing to drop millions and millions and millions of dollars. So, you know, if Ohio can, you know, raise more than we can to fight it, is the other side going to be able to just drop 50 million like it's nothing? I mean, Warren Buffett, $50 million to Warren Buffett is nothing. a rounding error. Yeah. To George Soros, it's, you know, it's a rounding error. I mean, yeah, to, to put it into perspective, here in Michigan, Proposal 3, so Reproductive Freedom for All, that was the group behind it, they raised $47 million, but over 75% of that money came from outside of Michigan. So they, of course, they had over $4 million from the um, of fraudulent money from FTX and everything Laundered like that. Laundered money. Yeah, they had, they had laundered money in there, but they also had, like, Michael Bloomberg, Steven Spielberg, um, the ACLU, they had really just mega donors who gave tons of money. And um, unfortunately, there's a lot of very wealthy people in the world who would like there to be less people in the world. And so um, they've got deep pockets. Uh, it seems like it's unlimitedly deep pockets, but at, at the end of the day, you know, will will the truth out? It's not necessarily about being able to match them with funding. It's about being able to st strategically use your funding to counter their narratives. Um, and unfortunately, in Michigan, um, the, the we were not able to do that. Um, the media being a big factor in that. And so we'll see how the other states fare, but. This is this is just the start. Michigan was their their testing stage, so to speak. It was it was the beta phase, if we're gonna talk in that way. And then they're they're rolling it out, and they're gonna do a slow march through the states, maybe not so slow. Well, yeah, like it seems slow. Yeah, well, like we we're talking about earlier, they haven't deployed any of these to strike down a pro life law yet, um, and. So yeah, they, from a strategic standpoint, as soon as they can do that, like as soon as that first parental consent law goes down, as soon as that first, you know, um, abortion clinic regulation law goes down, 
if it if it doesn't get a lot of media attention, you know, then they don't care. But if that gets a lot of media attention, that's going to instantly help the pro life side because they can say, look, it's the same language as this state. Look what just happened. And so that might be the sense of hesitancy here in Michigan. Um, some of the other states where they've passed, like California, you know, there's the, there's nothing to do. There are no pro life laws. Yeah, it's just a free for all. Um, and then in some of those other states too, any laws that exist, they aren't going to be enforced. So there's no way for it to go through the court. You can't just sue a law. It has to be, you have to have standing and have it applied generally. In, in theory. In theory. Unless you're in Michigan. In the, yeah. Um, so we'll see how it goes. We'll see. I mean, if, if I were them... And I, it depends on how much money I had available, but I would try to blitz as many states as possible all at once. Because um, especially then, you know, here's this is what really disappointed me, is the conservative sort of uh, alternative media was nowhere. There's an article in The Federalist talking about these efforts, focusing on Ohio, and they said it quietly passed in Michigan, you know. A $70 million ballot. It's unprecedented in Michigan. I mean, that's what's what was the biggest one? Like 20 million? Like, we blew it. Like, it was blown out of the water. I think it was the voters, not politicians, one in 20, or what? It All was right. marijuana in 2018, wasn't it? It was um, one of the ones in 2018. It might be VNP because they pulled out like $8 million at the end. They're like, yeah. hey. Yeah. And that was like, whoa. And then the other side was like, had $8 million on hand going in the last few weeks. When I saw that campaign finance report, that was like, that's unbelievable. Um, not unbelievable. We told people that, we told people they would spend $50 million, Yeah. And they did. Um, basically. So depending on, if I were them, I would do it now while there's not attention, while there's no examples, while there, you know, and try to get it in as many states as possible to get that critical mass, and then you just flip them on. That means in some states, um, you know, it might not be successful, but I think they would get more states if they did that. But again, they they can only they only have so much self control. So we'll see. The first state where they try to take out a pro life law with the amendment text, you know. It'll be a big help to the pro-life movement, even though we don't want pro-life laws to get struck down. We're perfectly happy with our parental consent law staying in effect, even if we have no idea if it's going to be enforced, um, if they aren't going to challenge it. It's yeah. fine with us. Moral of the story, don't be caught sleeping. Your friends, your family, everyone out of state, tell them to be aware of what happened in Michigan and if they don't want this to happen in their state, to get active now because it's coming. Yeah. To end on a bright note, though, so uh, the Michigan Catholic Conference commissioned a poll asking people in the wake of Proposal 3, like, hey, what do you think about all these laws that Proposal 3 is threatening? And so some of the results were 63% of Michiganders said, uh, we should keep a waiting period, 24-hour waiting period for abortion. 67% said we should keep parental consent. And 90% said we should keep self and safety. Uh, self and safety. <laughs> <Self and hefty. laughs> Health and safety regulations for abortion facilities in place. Now, they even they did the polls and they asked Proposal 3 voters, 
Do you support these things? And all three of them, the numbers are very similar. And crucially, even the Proposal 3 supporters, the numbers supporting all of these laws were higher than the actual number of votes that Proposal 3 got. It's almost like if the people hadn't so been lied it, to. Right, right. So, you know, why are they hesitant to go after these? Well, a super majority of Michiganders support all of these laws. And so if it comes to a court situation, I mean, on our side, it's going to be a tough to fight. But on our side, we have, well, look, in the election, their legislative intent, they said it is not going to affect parental consent. So you should absolutely keep it right. Um, and look, Michigan voters, they support it. You know, I love the other side when it passes, like, the voters have spoken. The voters have spoken. <laughs> that okay. is their new, their new phrase. So, yeah, okay, so. Really, what did they say? <laughs> so, sounds like the voters want parental consent, which, again, was why they, at the beginning, said this gets rid of parental consent. Then they did polling, finally, and they were like, Ooh. oh, crap, we can't say that. So, we have to lie. Mm-hmm. So, now we're in this little, we're in this dance, but. As long as we keep these poll numbers up, they're going to be afraid to come for these things. So that's why we're still here, still talking about it, and why it still matters, what happened with Proposal 3, and all of our other laws that are still on the books today, whether or not they're being properly enforced, uh, they need to be defended, and we will be here to do that all the way. All right, that's all the time we have for this edition of Life Beat. Join us again next week and have a wonderful weekend. Thank you.